بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علی رسول الکریم الحمد للہ چنائی از دا ایت آف فیبروری ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ of the noble companion, Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As, radiyallahu. And I've reached the point where I've mentioned that even though one of his noble sons, Hisham, wanted to first sacrifice 50 camels and then free 50 slaves upon his father's death, the command was that they were forbidden. So, This leads nicely to the question, what may be passed on to the deceased Muslims? So this question often gets various different answers, i.e. some going as far as to say that absolutely nothing can be passed on to the dead, misquoting the Quran as their proof. Those letters elucidate upon this point with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this quote is Sheikh Maududi Rahmatullah in his Tafsir, volume 13, page 259-61 of the English translation. So he said, The Hanafi Rahimahumullah's viewpoint is that a person can send the reward of each of his virtuous acts as a gift to the other. Whether it is Salah, fasting, recitation of the Quran, dhikr, sadaqah, hajj or umrah. And I've added myself, this is also the humbly Rahimahumullah's viewpoint. Refer to the reliance of the traveler, page 928. Then the Shaykh said, this is confirmed by a large number of ahadith. And he quotes, Sayyidah Aisha and Abu Huraira, radiyallahu anhu, they both related. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, got two rams sacrificed on behalf of himself and his family and the other on behalf of his ummah. This is recorded in Sayyid Bukhari, Sayyid Muslim, Ibn Majah, Ahmad and Tabarani. So he quotes one report, flawless report in Bukhari and Muslim. So one ram the Prophet sacrificed for himself and his family but the other was for his ummah. So this proves that a sacrifice can be done. In another report, and he quotes the hadith I quoted yesterday, in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad number 6704, Hassan, Abdullah ibn Amr radiyallahu he relates that his grandfather in the Jahiliyyah, Al-As ibn Wa'il had vowed to sacrifice a hundred camels. His uncle Hisham ibn Al-As sacrificed 50 of the camels of his own share. Amr ibn Al-As radiyallahu then asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa what he should do. And the Prophet said, if your father had affirmed faith in Tawheed, you may then have observed fast on his behalf or given sadaqah. This indeed would have been beneficial for him. Then he quotes another report in Darukutni. Someone asked, Ya Rasulullah, I had been serving my parents whilst they were alive. What should I now do when they have passed on? He said, 
this would now also be in their service. If you offer salah on their behalf along with your own salah, you observe fasts on their behalf along with your own fasts. So this is recorded in Darukutri. And I put in brackets, note that these are purely bodily acts of worship, not financial. The Prophet was not talking about financial acts passing on. Salah isn't financial, neither is fasting. And then he quotes another report in Dar al-Qutni. Sayyidina Ali, Qarramallahu wajhi, released our beloved messenger, said, Sallallahu alayhi wa If a person passing by a graveyard recites Surah Ikhlas 11 times and then gives away its rewards for the dead, then all the dead ones will be granted their due share of the rewards. Again, note, I, I mentioned this is not a financial act of worship. So here, all of these are proofs for who? The Hanafis and the Hanbalis, because they put no restriction. Shaykh Maududi, he went on to clarify that the deeds that you pass on, number one, they must be pure and in confirmation with the Sharia. Number two, they will only reach those with Iman. And number three, sins, of course, cannot be passed on. <laughs> now, the other schools. It is worth relating that initially, the Malikis and Shafi'is, Rahimahumullah, they expressed that the rewards of the purely bodily acts of worship, such as Salah, fasting, reciting the Quran, etc., could not reach the deceased. But only the rewards of one's monetary acts of worship, i.e. such as Hajj, Umrah, donating a well, land, etc. So this was their first viewpoint. So the Malik is in Shafi, he said, monetary acts of worship, no problem. But not purely bodily acts of worship. However, it appears that both of these blessed schools have also now adopted the Hanafi and Hanbali viewpoints. So where is this mentioned? The Egyptian Maliki, Sheikh Muhammad Makhluf, Rahmatullah, who passed away in 1936 at the age of 65 years, who authored some 37 works in Tafsir, Fiqh, and various other subjects, he clarified. The scholars disagree as to whether the reward of the Quran reaches him, a recital. The scholarly majority hold it does reach him, and this is the truth. The latest scholars of the Shafi'is and Malikis, Rahimahumullah, incline towards the validity of donating the reward for any kind of worship whatsoever to the dead. The Shaykh thereupon went on to relate a few narrations to substantiate this and finally said, the foregoing provides evidence that the deceased benefits from all types of worship, whether monetary or physical. Since fasting, pilgrimage, du'a, asking forgiveness are all physical acts of worship and involve no monetary sacrifice at all. So this is recorded in the Reliance of the Traveller, page 928 to 30. So putting it simply, the Hanafis and Hanbalis, they were always of the viewpoint you can pass on both bodily and financial deeds to the dead. The Malikis and Shafilis initially said only the financial, but later they agreed. Thus a consensus was reached that any kinds of worship can be passed on. Thus a consensus has been reached with regards to this most important of matters. 
All praise and thanks therefore are due again to the most merciful of those who show mercy, whose all product this priceless and great avenue in which the living can further benefit the deceased believers. So this is the kindness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So why is this important? Because people, they come up with their own views. Some people say, you can't pray, what are you praying for? Because you can't pass prayer, on. It has to be some financial light. Another extreme, you can't even pass anything on. They're fast on. The Quran says, Each soul shall only have what it, it has earned. Now the response is, who knows the Quran better than Rasulullah? <laughs> and like I mentioned yesterday, fasting, he himself said, you can fast for the deceased. That's not financial. And both of those reports are authentic. So, Alhamdulillah, you can pass it on to the deceased. How is it passed on to them? In Tabarani, in his Osat number 6504 or 5-37, it mentions, when someone sends the reward of good deeds to a deceased person, then no other than Jibreel, alayhi salatu wasalam, placed the reward in a refulgent tray and stands carrying it near the grave and says, O dweller of the grave, your relatives have sent a gift, accept it, I, with happiness. On hearing this, he becomes happy. Whereas his neighbors, I, the deceased buried around him, are grieved on their deprivation. This is recorded in Tabarani in his Osit, number 6504 or 5-37. So note again, like I mentioned yesterday, how many roles does the Archangel Jibreel have? Is another one. He actually is the one who passes on respectfully the gifts that you give to the dead. And he passes it on in a refulgent tray. And he says, glad tidings, a gift from your relatives. And they become happy. But know that sadness. The neighbors of the dead who don't get anything, they grieve. Because nobody's remembering them. Indeed, in a more famous narrative, our beloved messenger had said, The condition of a deceased person in his grave is just like that of a drowning person. Thus he awaits anxiously for priceless supplications of his father, mother, brother or sincere friend. Indeed, when anyone's supplication reaches him, he considers it better than the world and everything that it contains. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then graciously bestows the reward gifted by the living relatives to the deceased like mountains. Indeed, the gift of the living to the dead is to simply supplicate for their forgiveness. Mm. This is in Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman, number 7905 or 6-203 and Mishkat. Mm. So here note, the Prophet said, they are like drowning people. Look at the way he's described it. They, a drowning person isn't, you know, casually waiting for help. He's desperately seeking help. And he goes, he's waiting for what? The du'as. Because that's the most precious thing. From the father, mother, brother. And then he goes, sincere friend. And then he goes, he reaches them and is more beloved to them than the whole world and all that it contains. So, let's take a few lessons. Number one. The one who does not remember the deceased is just like the foul person who passes by one who is drowning. 
I thus it is a most shameful and disgraceful act. So when a person, you know, you got to make him think. Are you sending gifts to the dead? And they give you that glazed look as if, you know, you asked him a strange question. Then you say, okay, I know a person who's walking on the canal, the path of the canal. Somebody was drowning. He just walked straight past. What's his response going to be? He goes, what do you mean he just walked straight past? Somebody drowning. He goes, yeah, he won't bother. So imagine what he says. Everything he says, record it. Then say, right, you send gifts to the dead. No, play the tape back to him. You're exactly the same. And that is proof from this hadith. Because the Prophet said they like drowning people. Secondly, the dead are eagerly awaiting any gifts from the living. And are pleased by it more than if the whole world and all that it contains was given to them. Think about that. When you send a gift, you might think it's a small thing. But if the whole world and all that it contains is given, is that something small? Thirdly, note it is only the sincere friend who will remember his deceased believing brother or sister. What did the Prophet say? He's waiting for a dua of his father, mother, brother, sincere friend. So what does that tell you? You only know your sincere friends after you, you've left the world. Because they remember you. If they don't remember you, good for nothing. The fourth, the priceless gift is given by no other than the archangel Jibreel Showing just how pleasing this deed is to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So why is Allah sending the greatest of all angels to do this task? Any angel would have been enough. Because it pleases him too much that you're remembering the dead. And number five, the neighboring dead grieve if the gift is only given to their neighbor. Thus one should incorporate them in one's supplications as well. So now, subhanallah, even in the grave, our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala's unparalleled mercy is still manifest. How do we know? In Tabrani, it is Ausat. Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu relates that our beloved messenger, he said, sallallahu alayhi wa Ummati ummatan marhuma. My ummah is an ummah upon which has been taken mercy. Tadkhulu kuburaha bidhunubiha. They enter their graves along with their sins. Wa takhruju min kuburiha la dhunuba alayha. And they come out from their graves without any sin. To mahasu anha bi istighfaril mu'mineen. They were forgiven because the believers supplicated for their forgiveness. Look how beautiful this hadith in Tabulani. The Prophet وسلم, and this indicates it may only be for this ummah. Ummati ummatan marhuma. My ummah is an ummah upon which has been taken mercy. So it seems to indicate this may be only for us. They enter their graves with sin. They come forth from their graves without sin. So what's happened? How can you enter the grave with sins and come out without sins? They were forgiven because the believers supplicated for their forgiveness. In continuation, 
consider also an aspect of the unparalleled generosity of our loving Lord. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sayyidina Jabir ibn Abdullah radiyallahu anhu relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa If charity passes through 70,000 hands, its reward for the last person would be equal to that of the first person giving in charity. Subhanallah. This is in Tabrani in his Maqarim al-Akhlaq, number 116. Dear in his Musnad al-Firdos, number 2155, or 1-297. So what's the hadith? Sadaqah passes through 70,000 hands. The reward for the last is equal to the first. Now what does that mean? If you take it literally, but another meaning could be, this refers to Isali Thawab. Passing on the rewards of a deed to another. In which no matter how many the reward is passed on to. The giver nor the receiver. Do not lose out whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Allahu Akbar who is there comparable to the most merciful and generous. So this is why the wording of the Prophet has many shades of meaning. If you take it literally. Charity passes through 70,000 hands. The reward for the last is the first. So they pass it, they pass it, they pass it. You can take it literally. But it also could mean that you've passed it and you've mentioned names or you've mentioned a number. And how many you've passed it onto does not affect the amount. Why? Because the last person gets the same as the first. If it's been diluted, then why is the last person getting the same as the first? He should be getting a very small fraction of that. So what does that mean? It means Allah Ta'ala's generosity is immense. It's not something normal. Indeed, our loving Lord Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is the supremely generous. Our beloved messenger had said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, He who accepts due to necessity receives no lesser reward than he who gave out of affluence. Subhanallah. He who accepts due to necessity receives no lesser reward than he who gave out of affluence. This is in Tabarani in his Ausat, number 8471. Tabarani in his Kabir, number 13384. So what does this mean? Subhanallah. If a needy person receives a hundred pounds, for instance, from another, it is thus as if the recipient has given a hundred pound in sadaqah. So what's going on? So a person is desperately in need. He's eligible for zakat. He receives it. The Prophet said, he receives a reward as if he's given the out in sadaqah. So why is he getting the reward? So person A gives the zakat. He's entitled to a reward or sadaqah. Person B gratefully accepts it. That's not enough. Allah says if he is definitely in need, the reward is no less than he's given it when he was wealthy. So what is that telling you about Allah's generosity? He's not just giving the rewards to you. He's actually given reward of sadaqah to the one receiving as well. Hence, not only will he fulfill his needs, i.e. the one receiving, but in extension, the generosity of our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala is such, he also gets the reward of giving its equivalent in sadaqah. 
Subhanallah. Think about that. So if there's a destitute, genuine destitute person, and all his life he's receiving genuinely sadaqah, combine all of that what he's received, he's given the same amount in sadaqah. How strange is that? Right? But that's the kindness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Sayyidina Wathila ibn al-Asqa, radiyallahu relates, that our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, that Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَنَا إِنْدَىٰ ذَنِّي عَبْدِي بِي فَلْيَذُنَّ بِي مَا شَاءَ I am compatible with my servant's opinion of me. Thus let him think of me whatever he wishes. Subhanallah. I, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, am compatible with my servant's opinion of me. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thus let him think of me whatever he wishes. This is recorded in Ahmad in his Musnad. 3-491 Darimi in his Sunan number 2731 or 2-395 Tabrani in his Musnad al-Shamiyin number 1546 Hakim in his Musnadrak number 7603 or 4-628 Sahih Ibn Hiban in his Sahih 2-401 Al-Hetami in Majma al-Zawaid 1-184 or number 717 Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi stated Sahih in Sahih al-Jami number 4316 so this is a very interesting report, Hadith Qudsi. So Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He's mentioning something about His Self and us. He says, I am compatible with my servant's opinion of me. So whatever you think of me, I am like this. Then He says, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَلْيَزُنَّ بِي مَا those let him think of me whatever he wishes. So apply that to the previous report. Why is that destitute person getting the reward of giving sadaqah when he's received the sadaqah? So who is the failing? The failing is yours. Allah is the most generous. So whatever we talk, whenever we talk about the mercy and generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we should expand upon it. Because Allah says, I am as you think. If you think that my your rewards will reach the entire ummah, I will give it to the entire ummah. But if you are stupid and you think, no, it's too much to be given to the entire ummah, Allah, Allah goes, all right, if that's what you think, that's what you're going to get. So we should always expand upon His mercy. And what do one of the scholars say? He said, if a person finds this hard to understand, how can your, for instance, your sadaqah reach the entire ummah? There's billions. So if you give a hundred pounds sadaqah and you say, Ya Allah, give it to all of the ummah of the Prophet past, present and future, living and dead. So how many are you talking in numbers? You know, billions upon billions. So how is a hundred, mere hundred pounds going to reach every single one of them? That's the first question. And then they all going to get a hundred pounds. So the hundred pound has now become a hundred billion, 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 etc. pounds. How has that happened? So you say, it's easy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala says, I will do it. So one of the shaykhs said, if you find this difficult to understand, then reflect upon paradise. So how many, inshallah, all Muslims will eventually enter paradise? So it's the same number you're talking if you're saying pass it on to all the believers, past, present and future, living and dead, it's the same number of people in paradise, eventually. So all of those people are now in paradise, inshallah. 
everyone will be asking for eternity whatever they desire. Does that affect the khaza'in of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Think about that. You know, even if one person could forever ask forever, you're thinking it's going to make a dent in somebody's treasures. Nothing. So what is your poxy hundred pounds? Right? And that is why if you don't have a strong relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're not only depriving yourself, you're depriving others. And some fruitcake, they take it down to the bottom of the bottle. You can't pass anything on. And Allah goes, all right then. But don't you feel sorry for their deceased? They're drowning and this guy's walking past. Can't help you. Right? So note again, all of this can be deduced from these reports. But note, Going back to Hisham ibn al-As, he tried to help his unbelieving father. He gave the 50 camels, the 50 slaves. But Rasulullah, when Amr asked his older brother, he goes, if he had tawheed, it would have benefited him. If you fasted, given sadaqah, but he doesn't have tawheed. So not the beauty of that. The Prophet was teaching you that you can only pass on this to those with iman. This is why the Prophet himself said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, about his own uncle Abu Talib, when he was dying. He goes, say the shahada and I will help you. Mm. Meaning, even I can't help you. You have to have the minimum. You have to have iman. And unfortunately, he died without iman. And the Prophet said, I will supplicate for you until I am prevented. And then Allah stopped the Prophet from asking dua for his uncle Abu Talib. So look how amazing. So all praise again. And thanks be to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for such priceless and unending gifts. Subhanallah. And don't think this difficult for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And just to add this, even logically, Mawlana Ashraf Ali Thanvi rahmatullahi he just gave a very simple logical answer to this. He said, your deed which you want to pass on can be likened to a candle. So you light a candle. That's your deed. And then you say, right, I want to pass this on to X amount of people. Because the X amount of people are other candles. So you get your candle, you lie it, and you lie the next one, you lie the next one. Because what's the problem then? Right? So even logically, you know, what problem have you got with this, not concept, this reality? So again, be generous when you're asking. And even the living, don't forget the living as well. Also pass it on to the living. And just to add... Hafiz ibn Qayyim rahmatullahi said in Kitab al-Ruh, the intention to pass anything on must be before the deed or at the latest before it is completed. So you, you can't make the intention after the deed. Right? It must be done prior to it or at the very latest before it's completed. So even if you're in the process of doing the deed, you can still pass it on until it's terminated. So for instance, as an example, you're offering the nafal prayer, no intention to pass it to the dead. And in your last rakat, you're in the last sitting, you remember. And in your heart, you change the intention. Because Ya Allah, pass it on to the deceased, it will reach them. But if you give the taslim, it's too late, the deed's finished. And there's a difference of opinion whether you can pass on the obligatory deeds. But certainly the optional deeds can be passed on. So all I mentioned today was answering the very important question. What may be passed on to the deceased Muslims? And initially there was a difference of opinion. But Alhamdulillah, 
there is now no longer a difference of opinion. Both financial and bodily acts can be passed on graciously to the dead. Are there any questions you want to ask? Subhanallah bihamdihi subhanaka Allahumma bihamdika ashtu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka atubu alayka wa billahi min shaitani wa subhanahu rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun assalamu alayhi wa sallam alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen bismillahi rabbil alameen wal asr in zamil al-asr al-ladhina amunu wa amilu salihat wa rawasbil haq wa rawasbil sabr sallakum Allahumma alayhi